What is happening, guys? Thank you for tuning into the very first episode of the Fresh Hope for a Better You podcast. I am your host, Oliver Goulet, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, for the first podcast, uh, you guys are going to have to bear with me. So basically, I'm going to go over you know, the purpose of the podcast, what I want you guys to take away from it, and just sharing my story so you guys can connect with me on a deeper level and understand why I do the things that I do and why I uh, you know, share so much on social media and what I'm trying to accomplish during this journey we call life. So diving in, the goal and purpose of this podcast is hopefully to help inspire uh, as many people as I possibly can into becoming the best version of themselves. Uh, something that a mentor of mine, Andy Frisella, talks about is personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion. And that is something I live by. Um, it has helped me out a tremendous amount throughout my journey over the past five years of self-development. And uh, yeah, I hope to share my story and inspire you guys uh, to become something great because I used to be not a very good person. I used to have a lot of problems, which I will dive into with going into my story. Um, so we'll start from the beginning. Uh, I was not supposed to be born technically. I'm a miracle child. I'm the youngest of six. I have five siblings, one uh, half biological, my oldest sister, and four adopted siblings. Um, <clears throat> so after my sister was born, uh, her father was not a part of her life. Uh, my father came in, married my mom, adopted my sister. And uh, yeah, they were not supposed to have kids or my mom wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. So they ended up doing foster care. Uh, they did foster care for over 15 years. My parents are absolute angels. I am so grateful to have my parents. Um, they've helped me out with every part of my life I could ever ask for and then some. So I do get, I'm, yeah, just straight grateful for my family. Um, not only just my parents, my siblings and stuff, even though, you know, four of my siblings are adopted. I love them like no other. That is my family. I look at them no differently. Um <clears throat> So, yeah, I'm basically a miracle child, so the way I look at it is, you know, I have an obligation here on Earth uh, during my life's journey is to, you know, make a difference in the world. I want to be the change in the world uh, that I want to see. Uh, my mantra is be the change. Uh, some people may think it's cliche, like, I'll oh, be the change, but it is the truth. If you want to see a change in the world, it starts with you. You can't just change the world by, you know, telling other people, like, what to do. It doesn't work. You have to become the change you want to see. And that's something I live by. I say it to myself multiple times a day, whether it's, um, you know, there's something I don't want to do. And it's like, all right, dude, well, guess what? You In order to get here, you have to do this. So do it. You want to be the change? Do it. And so that's what helps push me through my day-to-day -day basis with being an entrepreneur. I don't have a boss. I have no one I have to respond to. Yes, I have coaches and mentors and stuff. And, you know, they lead me in the right direction. But if I don't have to do something or if I don't want to do something, I don't have to do anything. But I want to do that. I want to do things. I want to make a difference in the world. And that is why I'm doing this podcast. Um, so basically from an early adolescence, I was uh, extremely overweight. I got bullied throughout my whole childhood. And uh, yeah, it didn't stop just when I was younger. It led into high school because I was overweight. I was an athlete, but at the same time, I wasn't very athletic. Uh, I was good at sports, but that's just because I was a lot bigger than kids. And I could, you know, I could move some weight around. So I could definitely... Uh, know use my body to my advantage but um yeah after high school i went to hope college which is a private liberal arts school in holland michigan i was born and raised in holland michigan growing up here my whole life i still live in holland i bought a house here a couple years ago um 
but yeah, I went to Hope College uh, after my at the end of my freshman year. I got in a little, uh, you know, confrontation with my roommate, which led to me, uh, you know, basically almost getting expelled, and it kind of ruined the end of my freshman year. And I had to, uh, you know, we got into an altercation where he ended up hitting me. I hit him. Um, ended up getting woken up to the police at four in the morning, uh, saying I was under arrest for assault and battery. Uh, almost got resisting arrest because I was like, you're not putting freaking handcuffs on me. I did nothing wrong. He hit me first. There was a witness here. Go talk to the witness. Long story short, I ended up fighting with uh, the president and dean of Hope College um, for a little over three months till basically my the end of my freshman year. Um, caused a lot of uh, you know anxiety, stress, depression in my life, which you know when I was depressed and stuff like that. What did I do? I ate, and I ate myself into putting fifty pounds on. I was already overweight, so by the end of my freshman year, I weighed two hundred and seventy whopping pounds. Um, yeah, it was not good. And, uh, yeah, kind of all summer long, I thought about, like, is it worth it to go back to college? And, uh, you know, I had all these outside influences, like, even before I went to college, telling me what I should and shouldn't do. And, you know, I listened to them because when I was a kid, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, I went to school because I wanted to play sports in college. That was simply it. Like, I had no idea. I heard someone talk about engineering, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And, I, like, I kind of liked, uh, you know, quads and dirt bikes and motor vehicles. I was like, maybe I can do something with engineering. Went into school with engineering, bad decision. Do not like math enough. Like I like money math, yes, which led me to you know changing majors. Uh, in my second semester of college, I went for accounting. Then I realized I was like, yeah, I don't want to sit behind a desk the rest of my life. And then after my like after all that stuff went down, I went back to Hope College for a first another semester. I ended up uh, changing my major to business. Uh, and entrepreneurship and I thought that was where I wanted to go I was like hmm owning a business sounds pretty tight like that that seems like something I'd want to do uh, and then uh, after like going to Hope I was like man I'm not even living at school I lived at home and commuted to school every day and I was like yeah I just really don't like it kind of ruined my whole college experience just all the bullshit I had to deal with which you know it have you know being uh you know 19 years old and you know having every professor look at you differently because not only like, you know, I went through a bunch of stuff with, you know, my roommate, his mother actually worked at the school. So that just made it a hell of a lot harder for me. And, uh, yeah, I just screwed that all up. And after my, uh, halfway through the year, I transferred to CC because I was like, yeah, I just, I don't even know what I want to do with my life. And, uh, going back to, you know, after I, I actually had to go to court and beat an assault case and to pay for that, my family, we did not have money. We were middle class, and it was my responsibility. Like, I took out student loans and stuff to go to school. My parents helped me where they could. But, you know, my parents middle class. Like, they did absolutely everything they could financially to help me, which I greatly appreciated. I would not have been able to even do half the things I was able to without that. So I had to come up with, uh, I think it was like $1,500 to pay my uh, attorney fees uh, for the case that I had beat in court. And at the time, you know, I worked at a factory. And I worked like, you know, 20 hours a week and I got paid $10 an hour. Yeah, $20 or 20 hours a week at $10 an hour wasn't cutting it. So I had to uh, find an alternative source of funds 
uh, or alternative source to make money. And I've always kind of like had an entrepreneurship mindset. I grew up selling blueberries. We had a little half acre. I'd pick blueberries, sell them. I was a kid that was always buying candy bars wholesale at, you know, Sam's Club, bringing them to school, selling them on my backpack, you know, selling gum, doing all that. I was a hustler growing up. There's no way around that. That's just who I was. And I always had to get make money. I always ended up having money because I knew how to get money. And uh, so, yeah, basically to come up with that money, one thing I was very interested in at the time was getting high, smoking weed. I loved to do that ever since I was 15 years old. I've well, I almost, when I was just about 16, I started smoking weed. And, uh, yeah, I had, uh, someone I plugged that I used to get weed from. He, uh, hooked me up. I bought a couple ounces of weed for money I'd borrowed from my sister at the time. Um, ended up selling that weed to all the college kids. You know, Hope College is a private liberal arts school. Everyone there, basically all their families have money. Kids have money in their pockets. And I was like, how do I get that money? What do all these kids want? Everyone smokes weed. So I started selling weed. Month later. I had my lawyer fees. I paid my lawyer. And that's what I, that's that was the start of my cannabis company right there. I was like, hmm, there's something in this weed stuff. So I continued to sell weed. And uh, yeah, and then when I switched to GRCC, by that time I'd realized, you know, there's more money and, uh, you know, it's more profitable to grow your own weed and sell it compared to buying it from someone and having to resell it. So I started growing weed. And that was the start of my cannabis company. I started uh, cultivating cannabis. I started in a basement and then ended up scaling up into a couple barns in a facility. And uh, now I'm currently five years into my cannabis company and uh, we are working on a recreational processing facility. Uh, so, yeah, back to, uh, you know, starting my cannabis company. I uh, <clears throat> it was not something I'd really thought about. I thought I was going to do like my whole life. I really didn't know what I was going to do. But the last thing I thought was going to be, you know, starting a cannabis company like you know, but hey, we're here today. We're still killing it, so that's all that matters, right? Um, so after I dropped out of, uh, I ended up dropping out of community college because I wrote a paper, I wrote an essay or a paper, research paper, and it was on. Uh, I did it about cannabis because cannabis was like it was making me money. I enjoyed it. It was awesome. I wrote a like a thirty-page can pay, or a research paper on cannabis. And uh, talking about like the benefits of it compared to pharmaceutical like companies and pills and, you know, pills kill. And that's something I'll talk about a lot in a lot of like later episodes is like, you know, my view on, you know, uh, pharmaceutical companies and what it's doing to the people, you know, they want to have returning customers. So why would they ever want to, you know, cure your illness? So that's, you know, tinfoil hat, but I don't want to get into that right now. Um, so yeah, then I, uh, started, uh, realizing like, yeah, one thing I loved growing up, like in high school and stuff, I was the party guy. I threw the parties. My parents were cool and I threw parties. You know, I was known as the party guy. That was the name. Like I always had parties. I had a lot of people in my parents' house. We all partied. We all drank, smoked weed. We all just straight partied. And, uh, yeah, once I started making money through my cannabis company, growing cannabis, is when uh, my partying phase really, really took off. And, uh, yeah, it's led me to d- down some dark paths uh, during my life. Um, I started getting into the EDM uh, music festival and concerts vibe. And, uh, yeah, a lot of you guys that know about that, or even if you don't, well, I'll tell you, um, there's a lot of extracurricular activities that go on during music festivals and stuff, a.k.a. drugs. Um, I started doing a lot of drugs and, uh, it developed into like a three year, 
addiction um, where I was doing drugs on the week. started with just doing drugs on the weekend on top of smoking cannabis all day, every day. I was doing harder drugs and stuff on the weekend. And then slowly over time, it trickled into the weekdays and then turned into a full-blown addiction. Um, not only was I addicted to cannabis, I developed a very bad cocaine addiction. Um, and then I started uh, realizing, like, I was bored, you know, I was just, like, growing weed, doing all this stuff. So then I started to work out again because I knew I missed, like, you know, kind of working out and stuff like that. I missed sports. And so I started to work out, gotten, you know, I dropped, like, 20 pounds, feeling good about myself. Ended up crashing my dirt bike, um, tearing my labrum, having shoulder surgery, uh, fell into bad habits again with my eating, put all that weight on and then some. Uh, and so I ended up going back to around 270 pounds. Um, and then I fell back into an even harder addiction. I actually ended up doing cocaine every day for about six months straight. Uh, not only is it a terrible addiction uh, for your body, it's, it's bad for your body, but also your mind. It fucked with my head so bad, like paranoia, anxiety, like it was, it was some dark, dark times. And, uh, yeah, that goes into like another part where, uh, with me being in the cannabis industry, they have something called the cannabis cup and they do it every, I think it was every year in Detroit. And I was over there with a couple buddies of mine and, uh, yeah, I basically, uh, I was going out there, you know, networking, you know, talking to a bunch of cannabis, other cannabis companies and stuff like that. Like I was just in the beginning of mine and I was just a grower, but there were some like well-established brands out there that, you know, I'd get products from and stuff like that. So I brought a bunch of cash with me and, uh, you know, the cannabis market, everything has to do with cash, uh, cause banks don't really allow it. Now they do nowadays it's getting, you know, it's getting better with more bankings allowing cannabis, but um, at the time it was all cash. So I brought a bunch of cash out. I brought about $10,000 and I brought seven in and I had a couple of buddies. My, I split it up between a couple of me and my couple of buddies because I didn't want to be carrying, you know, seven grand in me, you know, we're in Detroit downtown, like it's hustler city. Like someone thinks you got money. They're going to rob you. My dumbass left $3,000 cash in the car. And, uh, we parked somewhere where the security guys like, Oh, you're good to park here. And, yeah, after, you know, we waited in line for two and a half hours in the beating sun while I was on cocaine. I was doing cocaine at the time still, and uh, we're waiting in line, and, um, yeah, waited in line for two hours, went inside, wasn't that great of an event, went to leave, go to the car, back window smashed. Someone broke into our car, someone robbed me $3,000. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, I ended up finding a girl's purse actually in the back seat of the car that my buddy's car. And I uh, had her like na full name on a, like, uh, a, like, a <clears throat> had her full name on some mail that was in her purse. And so I got her Facebook and I messaged her. I was like, you robbed me. You left something here, idiot. And, uh, yeah, we talked to the cops and the cops really didn't give a shit. They're like, well, how much money did you leave in your car? Yeah, you're an idiot, basically, is what they told me. Like, you're never going to get none of that back. And, yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow. But then later that night, that girl messaged me back, and she sent me a video of her, she was with some friends, and they had a Hellcat, and uh, their window was also smashed, and they actually had a gun stolen and a bunch of other stuff. But then so I was just like, okay, so you didn't rob me, but why was your person there? And at the time, I from the paranoia, from the cocaine, like, I was super, like, no, I was like, you know, this girl definitely robbed me. She's just playing it off all nonchalant. Like, so I think she just messed up when she was ruffling through the car. Like, she just left her purse. But, 
yeah, at the time I had a girlfriend and, uh, we've been dating for about three years and, uh, yeah, we were on a rough patch because of my drug addiction and stuff like that. And like, I own up to an extreme ownership right here. This is a hundred percent my fault. This girl was an angel to my life. Yes, we had our disagreements, but she pointed out all the problems that I needed to face and I wasn't willing to face them. So what I did at the time is, you know, I left her and, uh, then I was laying there awake and, uh, <clears throat> like I was trying to talk to this girl. Like I ended up talking to the girl's, the girl that I found her purse, like on a regular, like every day, like, you know, talking to her, getting to know her. Cause I deep down, I was like, I know this girl robbed me. If I can get to know her enough, I can figure out why, or like I can, you know, catch her. She'll admit it and I'll, I'll get her ass. And so basically I ended up like, you know, realizing this. And then like four, four days later, I was like, the paranoia is so bad. I think I should like, I stopped doing Coke and stuff like that. And, uh, it made me really realize like, yeah, um, this is a problem. And then like, after I quit cocaine, the paranoia got like 10 times worse. Like it went from like, I think this girl, like, I'm pretty sure she robbed me to this girl robbed me. I have to get her. So the next four months I ended up spending like, you know, getting to know this girl and had her come to my house and stuff like that. And like, you know, I almost built, I basically built a relationship with this girl uh, basically with the idea in mind that I was going to get her to admit to robbing me. So for four months, I was like basically just, you know, running around trying to figure out who robbed me, even though like having her trying to help me, even though deep down, I was like, I know this girl robbed me. And, uh, truthfully, the girl never robbed me. It just simply is a, <laughs> it was all the anxiety and, uh, you know, the crazy shit going on in my head making me believe these thoughts like i think them so much that i started to believe them which really led me down a path of like a dark rabbit hole and you know i can be thankful that that happened because that's when i quit doing cocaine and that really helped me along my journey was uh you know putting that beside me um <clears throat> and uh yeah so after that um yeah basically spent four months doing that and then i realized like yeah, this isn't it. Like, I don't care. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, still hanging around with the girl. Didn't really necessarily think that deep down that she robbed me. And all of a sudden, we were all hanging out in my room at my parents' house. And I had a girl in the barn outside that I'd just gotten done, like, redoing uh, during my shoulder surgery. Because all this happened, like, right like when I was... After I crashed my dirt bike, had shoulder surgery and stuff like that. And I just, like, finished remodeling that with one arm, this whole grow facility. And uh, we were sitting upstairs in my room, and all of a sudden I smelled something burning. And I was like, hmm, that does not smell right. It sounds, smells like, you know, electrical, like some wire, plastic, something burning. So I look around my room, don't see anything. I go downstairs, I smell it. I'm like yelling for my mom and dad, like, hey, do you smell that? Like, something's on fire. And then uh, my mom comes out, and then I look outside, and I just see smoke rolling out of my barn that I just got done redoing. And uh, I didn't know where my dad was. I ran out there and uh, deep down, I really thought my dad was in that barn because my mom thought he was too. And I busted open the door, which actually fed the flames in the barn oxygen and it blew up in my face. Uh, I singed a bunch of hairs off my face. And at the time I was still going through like all this stuff thinking that someone robbed me, like someone's trying to get me like from the paranoia from the cocaine and, um, yeah, just really put me in a dark place for like, you know, 10 seconds after I busted open that door, I thought my dad was in there. I thought I lost my father and all this is happening. Like within the course of a month, this all happened. And, uh, 
yeah, it just got worse and worse. And then uh, finally the paranoia after quitting Coke, like after like six months total, it kind of just died down. And then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, um, uh, one, like the harsh reality was like when I, like the real reason I quit doing Coke was because I was laying in bed one night and I had a vision and uh, I could see like vividly, like I was at a funeral and I saw all my family and friends there. Everyone was crying. And especially my mom. I remember my mom's face just bawling. And uh, she wasn't the one that said it. But I heard someone in the distance say it. He was too young to die. And uh, it made me realize that, like, I was at my own funeral. Like, that's what the vision was. And I realized that if I continued the lifestyle I was living, that was my future right there. And uh, so, yeah, I'd quit that. And, uh, yeah, kind of just... Uh, realized that you know that was not the life I wanted to live and uh yeah basically I ended up uh starting going back to the gym changed my life a little bit and uh yeah I went down to visit one of my buddies in uh Fort Wayne and we went out to a bar we actually went out to a gay bar it was not my ideal place it was kind of fun though it was a great time we the funny thing is you go to a gay bar the chances of you like picking up a girl are very high because all the other dudes are gay first off. And, uh, second off, a lot of girls go there that are straight because they just don't want to deal with all the bullshit at the regular bars. So if you don't want to go out to a regular bar and have to compete with a bunch of other dudes, go to a gay bar. <laughs> it's like shooting fish in a barrel there. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically I met this girl. Uh, she ended up like I got her Instagram. I talked to her for a while and she kept posting this guy's podcast on her story. And uh, yeah, you guys all know who this podcast is. Um, it's Annie for sale is real as fuck. And she posted that and I commented on it. I was like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's an entrepreneurship podcast. And uh, so I started listening to it because I was an entrepreneur at the time, but I guess I really wasn't taking business that serious. And the moment I started listening to Andy's podcast, it sparked a fire in me. I remember after his first podcast, I was like, I don't know who this man is, but dude, I'm going to listen to him a lot more now. Started listening to him. Um, this was roughly like six months uh, <clears throat> before my birthday. And so I was listening to him a few, for a few more months. And then I heard him shamelessly plug 75 hard uh, this program that seemed to be like life-changing and I was like you know what I think I want to do that and I deep down I was like I knew I needed to do that and uh uh so I started uh you know st I was still working out pretty consistently almost every day at this point I was like you know what I like fitness it makes feels good all this stuff and you know the more I work out the better like headspace I'm in the more I'm you know disciplined with you know every other area of my life and I was like, you know what, I just need that extra step. So I decided like two months before my birthday that I was going to start 75 hard on my birthday. I even posted on Facebook like July 23, 2019, I'm going to start 75 hard. And at the time, none of my family or friends knew anything about it. And uh, they'd all been proud of me because, you know, I'd changed and really started to take, uh, you know, my cannabis company pretty serious. And like things are starting to look up, make more money, doing all this stuff. And then uh, when I started 75 hard, everyone's like, oh, you're not going to drink or party with us. And I'm like, why? And I was like, oh, because I'm doing this program. Like, you know, it's a mental toughness and discipline program and I'm trying to change my life. 
amount of family and friends that gave me shit about it was unreal. Like, oh, you know, just have a beer, have this cheat meal, like do this, do this. And I was like, no, I'm going to stay true to this. I'm going to hold myself accountable. And I finished that, uh, you know, I finished 75 hard and I lost 35 pounds and it changed my life. Not only just the weight, just the mindset, the mindset it helped me develop of the undeniability that if I put my mind to something, I can do it. And that was the start of my self-development journey right there was when I did 75 hard. My life changed and I will never not give the credit to that program that it truly deserves because I owe that program a lot. I mean, I did do it. I followed through with it. I held myself accountable, but that program and Andy Frisella changed my life. And that is why I am so grateful that I am a part of, you know, his company first form and I'm a part of his entrepreneurship Arte syndicate now. Um, yeah, after I finished 75 hard, it was, uh, I shamelessly, I heard him shamelessly plug first form. He had not, he's not one to plug it very much on his podcast. And I heard him, I was like, what is that? And I looked into it and it was a supplement company. I was like, oh, this is his company. Like, this is where he makes all his money. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, started like liking first form and I saw what their values are. And I was like, they have a lot of the same core values as me now that, you know, I've started my development, self-development journey and really trying to, you know, make the most out of my life. And, um, I found out about the Legionnaire program and I joined it or I applied and I wrote this long thing about how it helped me change my life. And then, uh, yeah, ended up, uh, getting accepted in the program. Uh, I got a call from my coach, Sam. And uh, he, uh, yeah, basically gave me the rundown on what it was. And my goal was when I joined the program was just to, uh, you know, be part of something bigger than myself. And uh, I didn't necessarily think I was going to be a coach or anything, but, you know, just help me along my fitness and nutrition journey and to be a part of something bigger. Like the culture and community that First Form has is the best on the earth. I will argue that till the day I die because that group of people that is First Form, I am First Form are the people that are going to change the world. I put my money on it any day of the week. Um, so fast forwarding after, you know, uh, being a part of that program for over two years, I really didn't like, you know, take him very seriously. And I, I don't think I was confident enough within myself and my physical condition and my education point behind like fitness and nutrition. Because when I joined the program, I really didn't know much about nutrition at all. I ate chicken and rice and vegetables, basically. Wasn't tracking macros, wasn't doing anything. Didn't even know what macros were at the time. All I knew is that, you know, you eat clean food and you limit yourself, you'll be good. And uh, yeah, after realizing that and, you know, becoming more confident and educating myself through like their training and stuff like that, I was like, you know what? I got some downtime, you know, I have my operations manager handing my grow facilities and all this stuff. I got some free time. I think I'm, you know, made for a bigger purpose than, you know, just growing cannabis. And that's where it kind of clicked in me. It's like, man, why not? Why not try taking this seriously, man? Look what you've done for yourself. You've lost over 80 pounds. Why not share your journey? Why not share your story with people and help them along their journey in life? And so I started to do that, I know, and uh, at first it started a little slow. And then when I really started like uh, putting my all into it and left myself with that zero option mentality, like this is what I'm going to do on top of my cannabis company. And now that I have the downtime, I can dedicate this time to this. And uh, yeah, over the past five months, I've been able to, you know, start working and coaching the over 30 people with their fitness, nutrition and lifestyle. And it's truly helped me find more of a purpose in life. And uh, it's helped me, 
like really find a passion in it. I love helping people. There's no amount of money that is, you know, more rewarding than helping someone change their life because I wish I had that someone that like, you know, was there as like the coach for me like that. I mean, I had Andy like helping me through the discipline and dedication, but I really didn't take on like take my coaches and stuff seriously at first and like understand that they're like teachers. The coach is like a teacher. When you're growing up, you have teachers and they most teachers want what's best for you. Even though when you're a kid, you don't want to listen to that. You think you know it all. And like most kids still think they know it all and they don't want to listen to teachers. But looking back, I can't think of one teacher that did not have my best interest out in me. I like thinking back, I wish I would have taken school more seriously. I wish I would have listened to those guys. And yeah, it just really, uh, you know, put things into perspective. Like, you know, you can't make it through life alone. And like having coaches and mentors and stuff is truly how you're able to like, you know, grow to becoming something truly great and helping you reach your full potential because, you know, you can learn from some great people from experiences that they've already been through. And yeah, it's been one of the greatest things I've ever learned is not, I mean, I have multiple coaches. I have a business coach. I have a nutrition and like fitness coach. I have, you know, my mentors and stuff. Like I'm part of Arte Syndicate which is the best group of entrepreneurs on the face of the earth. Um, we are not just about making millions of dollars. We are about changing the world. Like kind of like, you know, basically everything Andy's a part of, he's trying to change the world and make it a better place. And like, that is why that man, you know, he has a special place in my heart because he's helped me change my life. And he's helped millions of others change their life, you know, through his podcast and through the 75 hard program. So I will, you know, give credit where it's due and, most of the credit to my life is due to Andy Frisella and First Form because those people have helped me change my life. And uh, that is why I'm here today, you know, telling my story, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here to share my story and hopefully help inspire you guys to become something great. So that's basically, you know, the rundown of who I am, why I'm here. And uh, my goal, my goal is to help millions of people along this journey uh, we call life. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is by continuing to, uh, you know, pursue personal excellence within myself and being the change I want to see in the world. So I just want to say thank you guys for taking time out of your day to listen to my story and hopefully it helped you and inspired you and made you realize that you can overcome any obstacle or adversity you've been through or you're going through in your life and you can become something great. It's never too late to change your life. And I'm a, literally a walking example of that. If I can go from an overweight drug addict to someone that you know grown adults look up to and ask for advice then you can too so thanks again for tuning in the first episode of the fresh hope for a better you podcast my name is oliver glay and i will talk to you guys next week